Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning. It's the 22nd of March, 2023. That means today is the first day of Ramadan. And so um, Muslims in your community, your Muslim neighbors, um, are going to be entering into 30 days of fasting between sunup and sundown. Um, And so they will be breaking fast at sundown each evening. And in your community, you might look for opportunities to um, engage and interact um, during those hours and certainly be mindful of and um, cognizant of that that fasting from sun up to sundown um, that includes water uh, and so just just know that just note that um, you know there are appropriate ways to encourage and engage our neighbors and there are ways that are unnecessarily offensive and so even in these days offering a cup of cold water, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see how challenging that then becomes, right? <clears throat> so we're going to jump in today with uh, today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day. It comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Have you answered that call to come? Jesus invites you today. Come to me. Come to me. Are you weary? Are you carrying heavy burdens? Do you want soul rest? Jesus says, come to me. In Mark chapter 1, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said what? Come, follow me. Come to me. And I will then send you out to become fishers of men. And at once, what did they do? They left their nets and they followed him. Discipleship begins by coming to Jesus. And discipleship Persist each and every day in coming to Jesus. Mark chapter 10, we read uh, that people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And the disciples rebuked them and Jesus saw what was going on and he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For as such to these belongs the kingdom of God. In the parable of the wise and foolish builder that we talked about yesterday, Um, the beginning of building a beautiful, substantial, fruitful, stable life is what? Coming to Jesus. Luke chapter 6 records it this way. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, Jesus says, but you don't do what I say. For everyone who comes to me 
and hears my words and puts them into practice. I will show them um, what they're like. They're like a man building a house dug deep down and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood came and the torrent struck the house, it did not shake it because it was well built. Peter understood that discipleship is, is about coming to Jesus, coming to Jesus initially and then continuing to come to Jesus. As you come to Jesus, Peter says in his first letter, chapter 2, verse 4, come to Jesus as you come. There's this scene um, in Peter's life. I mean, it, it happens for all the disciples, but Peter's the only one who gets out of the boat. There's this scene where the disciples are in a boat struggling against the wind and the waves to cross the Sea of Galilee, and they were terrified, and they were exhausted. And, and then in the midst of that, they think they're hallucinating because they see someone walking on the water, which, you know, is impossible. And Jesus recognizes that it could only be the Lord. And so he calls out to him, you know, if it's you, if it's you, um, you know, tell me to come to you. I mean, that's the way Matthew records it. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus immediately says, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. And Peter replies, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come to me. Jesus is still making that same invitation today. Come to me. Would you respond to him? Hear this from the Lord to you. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Friends, let's, um, let's come and reason together as we apply the mind of Christ to the matters of this day in which we live. Let me ask you, what are you waiting for today? What are you waiting for? You waiting for someone else to swoop in and save the day? Are you waiting for someone else, somewhere else, to do something else, to make some aspect of your life different in some way? Why wait? We're going to work that out together next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll give you rest. Jeff Bilbro is joining us from Grove City College. Uh, he posts on the frontporchrepublic.com something called the Water Dipper, and we're going to draw from that now. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Carmen. What does Elizabeth Stice have to say about waiting for someone else uh, to do something else to make some aspect of our life somehow different in some way um, versus actually doing something ourselves? Yeah. Yeah, this is a good essay in Common Magazine, and he draws on Vaclav Havel's um, famous essay, The Power of the Powerless, and his vision of um, living in the truth now without waiting for the system to change. You know, and, and his example, I think, is particularly powerful because he was living in a pretty messed up system, uh, the, the Soviet communist system, that seemed hopeless. And uh, it was easy to just kind of go along with the way things were. But um, Elizabeth talks about how just uh, choosing to uh, pursue a good life rather than uh, conform yourself to, to an evil system uh, 
you know, it might not seem like that's um, sufficient. Like it's actually going to change things. Doesn't seem like it's going to, you know, be a big deal. But it's uh, what counts, and it's what we can do, and it's it's the life of Christian discipleship that we're called to do. Yeah, I um, I just I even just appreciated the subhead. Like, you know, the question is why wait? Help for ordinary people who feel helpless. Um, yeah. Jeff, that's a that's a lot of people today. There's a lot of <laughs> regular ordinary people who feel helpless. Like I literally hear people say at my own dinner table, um, like there's you know. There's there's nothing we could I mean, like, what could I do? There's there's nothing I could do. But the argument here is living, um, living an honest, God fearing, respectable life um, is actually what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so much anxiety and, and hopelessness and helplessness because so much of our discourse frames the the world and the problems we face you know, on this kind of macro scale, everything seems so big and out of our hands. And uh, yeah, and that can be paralyzing. But I think Elizabeth points out that uh, there's still plenty that we can do here and now. Um, and that it's enough. You know, we don't have to wait until the system changes to begin living well in our own uh, homes and neighborhoods in our own lives right now. And while that might seem like a drop in the bucket, uh, on the other hand, that's precisely what we're called. We're called to this life of faithful obedience, not to a life that uh, necessarily causes change at some great scale. Okay, so let's um, let's literally bring that home. Um, I want to talk next about Scruton's Castle, um, also linked to on the Water Dipper at Front Porch Republic. We're going to talk about literally where you are right now, your location. So I want you to think about like physically um, where you are. And we're going to talk about our investment in place and our investment in people in the place we are, um, because ultimately all politics and everything else are local. We're going to continue our conversation with Jeff Bilbro in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. This is my victory song. Sing it all day long. No matter what they come, my father is on the throne. And I'm Continuing our conversation with Jeff Bilbro, we are drawing from the water dipper at frontporchrepublic.com. Um, tell, tell us about, well, this is just a clever title for a piece, Scruton's Castle. Um, first of all, you know, who is Roger Scruton? What does Carl Truman have to say about Roger Scruton? And what does it have to do with us, where we live, like literally where we are locally today? Yeah, so Roger Scruton was a uh, British philosopher. Uh, he studied beauty in particular, but a lot of other things. He actually worked a lot with... Uh, dissidents in the communists, but behind the, the Iron Curtain uh, before the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, so I guess that's a connection to Elizabeth's piece. But um, he, he was a, yeah, really, I think, thoughtful, intellectual conservative uh, who died maybe a year, a year and a half ago. And uh, my, my colleague Carl is, is reviewing a book that just came out kind of posthumously, a collection of his short essays. And... Um, among other things, I think Carl's right to draw attention to Scruton's localism and his insistence that the beauty of our places 
matters. You know, Scruton was very famous for uh, trying to preserve and cultivate beauty in English towns and developments, you know, not, not build things that are ugly or an imposition upon uh, the community. Because, yeah, our, our aesthetic relation to our place shapes our uh, shapes where we live here. And trying to build places that people want to gather and will foster community uh, is, is really crucial in an age where um, local communities are often hollowed out. Um, all politics are local. Like, right. I mean, I whatever's happening um, on a global scale or whatever's happening on a national scale or even, you know, in my state, ultimately, you know, it, it's a question of what's happening in my own home um, and the the stresses, the joys, the, the challenges, the decisions that me and my people, right, <laughs> like the the core group um, uh, are facing. And so when we talk about the present and we talk about the future, um, can you bring some of this home for us? Um, I'm looking at this piece in the New Atlantis and then the uh, linked to here um, in the Water Dipper. Can there be a conservative futurism? And I think that, Jeff, my interest here is the future of any system of thought, of any way of thinking, of any worldview comes down to whether or not it is taught in the home one generation to another. Um, so can you talk a little bit about this? Can there be a, fut- a conservative futurism, but also link it to the conversation about, you know, what we are actually doing in the most local of places, which is in our own homes? Wow, it's an interesting question, Carmen. I think I'll just say two things. One is, you know, this this piece on conservative futurism um, it has some interesting suggestions at the end, but the heart of the piece is that um, a truly conservative approach to technology would see technology not as some kind of uh, limitless progress toward an undetermined destination, but rather, um, you know, as, as new tools that we can use to uh, foster good lives, <laughs> that there's a, in a Christian sense, ultimately, that there's a clear telos that by which we need to measure our uh, our technology. So not, you know, just because something seems good, we shouldn't pursue it out of kind of curiosity, but we should um, have more careful uh, ends that we're, that we're working these tools. And I think that does come back to, to the home and to what we, how we model our use of technology with, uh, with children, with in churches and schools, you know, are we, just using whatever the latest gadget is and pursuing uh, the things that are, are new and innovative and cool? Or is there a clear sense that as a community, we're um, trying to discern together what shape life should take and, and how to live a life that's pleasing to God and being thoughtful and deliberate in um, choosing the tools that will help us to pursue that end uh, and, and putting limits on those that that might detract from it. Um, I mean, ha- reining in our dependence upon technology and emerging technologies, um, casting our lot with, um, you know, the, the positive 
possible future that God has for us, recognizing the timelessness of God's character and ways. I I think that when when I talk to, you know, the teenagers that live in my house about um, addiction to, uh, affection for, technology and our dependence upon it, um, I mean, I recognize that literally when the power goes out, that's what they panic about. I mean, I'm concerned about whether or not I can make coffee. They are concerned about how long the battery life is going to last, um, you know, in their in their game device or in their phone. Um, I I do think there is a there's a addiction issue for us to deal with as a culture and society, and there's a worship or idolatry issue for us to deal with as well. I mean, anything that you feel like you can't live without that you're so devoted to. Um, like is a that's a heart problem. That's a that's a heart and soul problem. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, you know we certainly see it with the the kind of anxiety and loneliness that is more and more prevalent among young people. But I think a lot of it, you know, to come back to what we said earlier, a lot of it too is learned from uh, their teachers, from adults. Uh, that, that if we model. Uh, an unhealthy relationship with our technology and our tools, then they, you know, despite what we, despite what we might say, they kind of catch uh, from us that orientation, that worship, ultimately, and um, and, and maybe the you know bear that's uh, unhealthy fruit. All right, I want to um, touch briefly on another piece that's posted at Front Porch Republic, um, and it's posted there. Um, by, um, I was going to say Adam Smith, and that didn't sound right, but it is. Adam, it Adam is. Smith. Yep. Adam Not Smith. Not an economist, but hey. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, and he's in Dubuque, Iowa. And localism as a form of government or localism as a way of life. What is Adam Smith arguing here? Yeah, this is, we're talking a lot about localism, which is great. Uh, Adam yeah. is, is such a, a good thinker, I think, in that he's pushing to ask the hard questions. So he's reviewing this book. It's critiquing some aspects of localism, and uh, and he's trying to take those critiques seriously, and he's trying to distinguish between um, a kind of doctrinaire or maybe localism as idol almost, or at least as ideology, which would say, you know, as long as the decisions are being made on a local level, it must be good, and uh, a localism that is actually maybe more prescriptive and saying, oh, there's there's certain forms of life that are better and worse. And one of the features uh, of a better life is that at least aspects of it are rooted and embodied and local. Um, and what do we do when that kind of vision of the good uh, conflicts with the, the choices that a local community might make? You know, local communities can make wrong choices sometimes, as we all know. Mm. So how do we kind of uh, distinguish between those two definitions and visions of localism? Yeah, I mean, the, it is true that sometimes the expert does come from the outside. I mean, sometimes yeah, there right. there are viewpoints that actually help us understand and see ourselves differently and more clearly, right. um, you know, because of the wisdom and expertise that is cultivated outside of whatever the most local of environments um, yep. are. So, yeah, I um, this is that's that's actually, you know, it might be interesting for like homeschoolers to read that piece. Because I do think that, like, there are other environments other than just, like, local government. But, like, right. even even the way that we would say, oh, I know best how to educate my own children, 
Okay, but then their education is going to be limited to what you know. And I actually want my kids to know more than what I know. So, you know, even when we talk about homeschooling, how do we make sure that that is um, complemented by all of the wisdom and goodness and knowledge that is available, even if the person providing the education is the parent in the home? I'm just thinking that, like, there are ways. Maybe, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a fan of glocalism. Like I'm a fan of localism, absolutely, but also recognizing that God is the God of all the good there is, and that's not just right where I am. Like it, it, His goodness is and grace is flowing everywhere, and that means that there there are people and places and things that we want to know about and connect with and celebrate and invest in that are not actually in the one square inch where we happen to be standing at any given moment. Yeah, that's exactly right. And getting that, that interplay between the local and the Catholic, the transcendent, uh, that, that which is uh, kind of universally true. Getting that interplay correct is important in so many spheres, right? Whether it's the family or the local church, homeschooling. Um, yeah, I think that, that interplay applies across a lot of uh, spheres of our lives. Yeah, that's really good. Like, as soon as you say, like, you know, church, you know, people might think, oh, yeah, I don't want anything to do with denominations. They're such a wreck and a mess. And then I'm like, yeah, but the house church movement can have its own problems as well, right? Because right. In, in some cases, like, right, you don't quite have enough of the body of Christ to engage with and interact with. And um, and the scope of what you can do is certainly limited by, you know, who's in the room. Um, and That's so, right. yeah, I, there you go. Yeah, those are all uh, really good, um, really good expansive conversations to have as you are reading this piece by Adam Smith posted at Front Porch Republic. That's also where you can find the Water Dipper, which Jeff Jeff Bilbro aggregates for us in such a helpful way. There's a ton of really good stuff um, on the Water Dipper that we didn't get to this week. So be sure you go check it out. Jeff, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. Yeah, absolutely. If you're listening to Mornings with Carmen, let's go upwards with Max Lucado. All right, you know, sometimes it's actually like really hard to escape what's happening in your most local of environments. So, I don't know. Does it like does it physically stink where you are today? Because I'm I'm standing in my studio this morning, and um, I I shared this with Paul first thing first thing when I walked in this morning. Like something literally stinks, and um, so I just confess to you that yeah, sometimes what's happening most locally and affecting your actual sensory experience, like where you physically are, it can be distracting. So there you go. I'm a little distracted right now by like the physical stink in the environment where I am. And I suspect that, yes, I, so Paul you, knows this. Don't you think your studio dogs might be able to help you <laughs> diagnose this issue? They are, they are sound asleep. Oh, the studio dogs are sound asleep on their princess pillows, completely ignoring <laughs> the quite foul smell that um, I suspect is being emitted from a rodent that maybe died under the building. That's what uh-huh. I think happened. Anyway, I know, I know. So, there, I, you know, there you go. So, so, I, what's distracting you this morning? Yes, there you go. Somebody's already on the text line. Is it a dead mouse? Well, yes, it, I suspect that probably. it is a dead mouse. Yes, probably, probably. Or, or you know what? 
Millie the Molinator has been on duty the last few days digging up moles uh, around the yard and tossing them about. And it's possible, you know, that it's a dead mole. Like it could be it could be a dead anything. I am quite sure it's a dead something. Mm -hmm. There you go. (sighs) What are you dealing with where you are today? The text line is open. You can let me know uh, who you are, where you are, what you're up to. You know, what's the what's the stink in your environment? Doesn't have to be a literal stink. It could just be the stinky thing you're dealing with today. I can pray with you about that, even as you're uh, praying for me. You can text me, 877-933-2484. We're going to look at what in the world is going on in the world with our friend Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. We're going to talk about all of that abandoned U.S. military equipment in Afghanistan. We're also going to talk about World Water Day. And did you know? Did you know there's been a cyclone? Yes, its name is Freddie. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Ruth Kramer is joining us now from Mission Network News. You can find everything we are talking about at missionnews.org. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning, Carmen. How are you doing? Well, I'm well, other than there's a little bit of a stink where I am, but uh, I, I will seek to not be distracted by that. How are you doing? I know that your physical body is uh, <clears throat> is a little bit under stress these days. What's going on? <laughs> um, I'm beginning the track season training. So mm. uh, my personal season starts in June, but um, the high school track season starts now, and I'm a coach uh, with a small Christian high school, so I do the workouts with the kids. And uh, we're all feeling it. We're all feeling the decay of the human body and just the natural state we would rather be in. And the discipline of training is a a constant reminder of, you know, where we are and who we are in creation. Mm. Yeah, getting into shape um, and then maintaining that um, and then getting back into like – the the kind of form that's required to compete, right? It's different than sort of the, hey, this this is what I need to function. And then there's the, you know, what do I need to do to compete? And then there's what do I need to do to win? And those are different sort of standards of, uh, of disciplining the body. So we will continue to encourage you and um, uh, ask that your muscles be strengthened and lengthened. And um, and Not I don't torn. know, there'll be enough Epsom, <laughs> Epsom salt in your bath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just going right, to try to be uh, uh, uninjured. Yeah, amen. Let's talk about um, what the U.S. military left behind in Afghanistan and where that equipment is surfacing today. Yeah, well, you remember when the U.S. withdrew from Afghanistan, they left in a hurry. So they left like $7 billion worth of military equipment in Afghanistan that was, of course, repurposed by the Taliban. Um, now those same weapons are surfacing in Pakistan because of the connections with the Taliban units. Um, uh, Tariq-e-Taliban Pakistan, or the TTP, is the Taliban version in, in Pakistan. And um, because they share an ideology with the Taliban in Afghanistan, Afghanistan's Taliban is sort of looking out for the Pakistani Taliban and sharing resources. So those weapons that were being used in the fight, uh, in the Taliban fight in uh, Afghanistan are being used now in Pakistan. And um, the government in Pakistan has been trying to deal with the insurgency uh, somewhat unsuccessfully, um, but uh, 
basically what we're seeing is that the TTP has been emboldened since the uh, Taliban in Afghanistan gained power in 2021. And uh, they're based, they're, they're running rampant in Pakistan. Uh, the TTP wants to establish a Sharia law. Pakistan is already a Muslim country, but they want to see it go to the next uh, level in terms of the uh, the way that the uh, Quran is interpreted. And uh, it's a situation that is causing a lot of uh, stress in the government that's already stressed because of a number of other different issues. So when we talk to our partners, uh, FMI, uh, they're very concerned about what's happening because the TTP tends to target the uh, – the organizations that don't share their ideology, which in this case would be uh, schools, um, military, police, and the minority Christians. Uh, and the minority Christians are going to be feeling the pressure of increased persecution as time goes by because the TTP is getting stronger because of the help from the Afghanistan Taliban. This is a situation where we're being encouraged to pray because – um, the the attacks are increasing in number. Um, I think last year there were 376 terrorist attacks in Pakistan alone. And um, this year, I think that number is 500. So you're seeing a lot of concern about what kind of instability the TTP is going to bring to Pakistan, how it's going to disrupt uh, the normal workings of the country, and how it interferes with organizations that are being the hands and feet of Christ in a country like this, um, one thing we are encouraged to do is pray that the Taliban fighters would have encounters with Jesus because only God can change their hearts. And there's a lot of evidence about how these Taliban fighters have been having these like Damascene kind of uh, encounters with Jesus um, and changing. And sometimes they're staying in these units to try to be the light within these groups of people that are having um, maybe some second thoughts about what they're doing. And it's it's an interesting story. It's not one that can be told well because there's obviously a lot of security concerns with that, but it's something we should be praying into, ask God to change the hearts of these Taliban fighters. Um, I wanted to kind of segue into the other part of the story in Pakistan because I, I mentioned that there's a lot of chaos right now. The former prime minister, Imran Khan, is um, – a controversial figure. I guess that's the best way we can put it. Uh, he's been accused of a lot of graft. There's a lot of uh, other issues where he's been accused of inciting riots and mobism, the kind of a, a mob thinking within the country. And when he was um, supposed to be arrested, uh, basically major cities had huge outbreaks of riots. And our partner was actually visiting his parents in Pakistan um, and got trapped in one of those mobs while he was trying to get home. He was actually coming home to do an interview with us about the other issue on the TTP, and that's what he got caught up in. And he he was actually fearful that he wasn't going to make it home. Um, so the mob mentality that is in Pakistan is so easily inflamed right now. This is a very big concern for just you know stability uh, in the day-to-day -day because if you are thinking you can't get from one end of the city to the other because you might get caught up in a mob – not just caught up, but beaten or possibly killed, it it has a it, it has a a bearing on how you plan your day, what you're thinking you're going to be able to do as you're watching this instability unfold. Um, there's just a lot to be praying about with that. Um, really, 
you know, uh, our partner is, uh, he's been dealing with a lot of things in Pakistan. And the fact that he is in Pakistan at all is something that we can praise the Lord for because he's never lost his purpose. Um, he is actually a, a he has sought a, uh, a visa um, in the U.S. for um, asylum, basically, a religious visa uh, in the U.S. because of these extremist issues. And um, there are fatwa on his head. So anytime he goes back into Pakistan, he's risking someone recognizing him and killing him because he's run afoul of some of the higher ups um, because he's so active in church planting and discipling and being the hands and feet of Christ. So be praying for him. He's brought up some valid concerns that we can be praying with him, but be praying that he is actually going to be able to get work done and that he'll be able to come home to his family. Mm. Um, yes, thank you for not only that call to prayer, but you know, every single time you guys connect with um, with Mission Network News, you're also going to be provided with you know connections to the connections that they have around the world. And so, um, please check this out at uh, missionnews.org. It'll give you prayer prompts as well as points of connection with the ministries that we're talking about directly in these places. Ruth, I want to pivot <clears throat> from Pakistan or Afghanistan and Pakistan to um, the Democratic Republic of Congo. We're talking here about Sub-Saharan Africa. We're talking about the largest country in Sub-Saharan Africa um, and one of the poorest countries in the world. Even though it's rich in natural resources, um, its people are desperately poor. Um, And so read us in on what's happening in the DRC. This is something we've been watching with growing concern over the last uh, three, four months because of the situation with the Allied Democratic Forces, the ADF. They're an Islamist rebel group, but they're also a militia, and they have been preying on um, a lot of a lot of different groups. Um, there's an element to what uh, an element of religious persecution to what they're doing because there are reports that are coming out of them going to villages and singling out Christians or allowing Muslims to go free um, as they they have these confrontations with people who are in the villages. Right now, in the last, I don't know, maybe month and a half or so, there have been multiple attacks on uh, towns and villages in the eastern part of the country. um, And mm, about 70 Christians, um, people who are known to be followers of Christ, have been killed. So the the concern that's going up is that this is going to become much more prevalent. And the Voice of the Martyrs USA has clued us in on a few things that uh, we can be praying into with this. Um, this is an area, uh, the area where some of these attacks just happened. Uh, there's a denomination um, that had 25 churches in that area. And today, they only have eight churches. There's another denomination mm. that had 54 churches, and now they have 11 because people are fleeing before the ADF because, of course, they don't want to get embroiled in the conflict. They don't want to get you know, um, killed because of this situation here. Um, the, the ADF wants to have control of the government. They haven't really specifically said that they want to uh, implement Sharia law, but because of their uh, is extremist uh, ideology – it wouldn't be a huge step to say that's the direction they want to go. Um, so pray for the government response in this. Uh, we can pray into that. The ADF is actually active in on both sides of the border between Uganda and the Democratic Republic of Congo, and both governments are trying to cooperate 
in um, in dealing with this particular insurgency. So pray that those efforts are effective and pray for the believers because they need to feel God's presence with them, even as they're going through major trial right now, major tension, um, and, very, and of course, security concerns um, with that. Pray that their faith remains strong, that they remain bold in living out who they are in Jesus Christ. All right, I want you to imagine for a moment the combined populations, like get this into your into your mind right now, the combined populations of New York City, Los Angeles, and Chicago. I want you to get all of those people, like the scope of that population in your mind. Now imagine that those 16 million people lack access to clean water right now. All the things that you've already done today with water, made your coffee, brushed your teeth, flushed your toilet, washed your face, um, filled up your water bottle for work. Imagine that none of those things is possible um, in the nation of Kenya. There's 16 million people just in Kenya who don't have access to clean water. This is World Water Day. And um, uh, Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News is going to fill us in on what's happening um, on this World Water Day through Kenya Hope. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Well, I want to say uh, good day to Pastor Josh in Kenya this morning. Uh, he and um, the people of his church and nine pastors uh, who he is training up uh, listen to Faith Radio. So maybe they're listening right now. And if so, good morning, Pastor Josh. Um, we're talking with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. Um, he's serving as a shepherd of God's people in a place where access to clean water is really hard to find. Um, Ruth, read us in on Hope, Kenya Hope, and um, what's happening on this World Water Day. Yeah, I want to just kind of back out that picture before we zoom back into what's happening specifically with Kenya. Um, the World Health Organization and UNICEF re- recently released a report for World Water Day just to give us a picture of how many people in the world don't have access to clean water. And that's like one in four globally. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking at uh, who doesn't have access, it's mostly people in the rural areas who lack basic water. That's like 144 million people who are drinking untreated surface water. Um, so that's the stuff you find in the ditches. That's, you know, you're sharing watering holes with animals and things like that. Uh, and so you have a lot of other issues that come up as a result of drinking unsafe water. And in Africa specifically, about uh, 39% of the population um, were able to connect with some kind of safely managed drinking water. Um, the most affected region is in sub-Saharan Africa, which you already mentioned. And Kenya Hope is basically saying, yeah. And then when you drill down even further into their area where they have uh, influence in Kenya, 
that's 16 million people who have lack of access to clean drinking water. And clean water is basically, it's the foundational block of everything else in society. Without it, you you have trouble managing like famine issues and epidemics and uh, inequalities and political instability because it's a resource. And it, it all rolls into this great big nasty ball that uh, can be picked apart just a little bit by providing access to clean water. And Kenya Hope has been able to speak into this situation by um, drilling uh, water wells and working in needy communities that don't currently have access. They're trying to put in uh, three to five wells in some of these needy communities and um, working through a body of Christ there. They're identifying the needs. And because they're working directly with uh, a vetted partner, they eliminate corruption. Uh, as they plan the process of how we're going to bring clean water to uh, this area. And corruption happens because the resources are so scarce. Um, And so having a ministry, they can say, I can vouch for this partner, what we say we're going to do, and we can verify it because this is the process. They're very transparent about it, and it changes a community to have access to clean drinking water. But that also opens the door then for access to the living water because they're working with the body of Christ. It becomes part of what they do as they approach this situation holistically, um, and they and they see people who are responding to the hope of Jesus Christ as they hear God's word for the first time. Uh, so when Kenya Help come, comes in to uh, drill the water wells, they also bring in with them audio Bibles. And from that, you have little groups that, that spring up of people who like to listen to God's word together, and then they're shepherded by a member of the the local body who can kind of walk them through what does this actually mean. It's a it's a beautiful partnership, uh, reaching remote communities in Kenya, dealing with some basic basic physical needs, and addressing the most uh, uh, urgent of spiritual needs at the same time. Kenya Hope is um, it's a beautiful ministry. You guys are going to want to check it out at kenyahope.org. Um, one of the unique things about them um, is they do widow sponsorship. Um, in addition to uh, the things that we think about uh, happening, like through child sponsorship and the way that child sponsorship helps community development, they're doing widow sponsorship. It's just a beautiful program. You can um, you can check uh, out information about that also at Mission Network News um, in in relationship to uh, Kenya Hope. So just such um, such a beautiful ministry. All right, um, tell us what uh, who who is Freddie and um, and like what concerns are raised by Cyclone Freddie um, across really Central Africa. Well, Cyclone Freddy has been vicious. Uh, it's hit Malawi, Mozambique, and Madagascar specifically. It started uh, in Australia back back in uh, early February, actually, and gained strength as it made its way across the, the different continents, actually gaining more energy in just 35 days than in an entire U.S. hurricane season. And then it hit um, Mozambique twice. And so it's just one of these things that uh, has left a trail of uh, wreckage. And so our partners at Transworld Radio have radio stations that and ministries that are set up in Malawi, Mozambique, and Madagascar, and they are telling us what's been going on. There have been, you know, a lot of people who've been displaced. So radio is where people will go for information, like where can I get help? Where is the shelter? What do I do next? How do I deal with the physical needs here, as well as 
providing some hope in the programming, providing music from their local churches. Um, it's just something where Transworld Radio is is meeting a need by calling on believers to basically help the displaced. Um, this is something where Malawi has not been affected by cyclone up to this point, not to this extent. So they're kind of overwhelmed by the the scale of what's needed here. And and the same could be said of some of the other areas where um where you've had some major devastation. Be praying for the Transworld radio teams as they look at how to adjust their programming to meet some of the needs there. There the the spiritual needs are obvious. The physical needs are overwhelming. Uh, the churches are coming together with drop zones for food, clothes, and other materials that people need. So like the TWR offices are serving as drop sites uh, where people can get what they need to get on with the day and try to figure out how to make a, a new normal here. Even with all of this stuff happening right now and all the millions of dollars that are coming out of the United Nations to help with the storm repairs, um, it's not over yet. Tri uh, Tropical Cyclone Freddy is still going and still laying waste to the different areas that it's it's covering right now. I'm not sure what direction it went, but it's flooding uh, in the last couple of um, days that it's just dropped in an incredible amount of water. So it's not over yet. Continue to pray with us. And if, if God moves you to respond to it, Transworld Radio is the place to go. Well, thank you so much. And you can link to them through um, the Cyclone Freddy article at Mission Network News or missionnews.org. Um, also, reminders there that Ramadan uh, uh, begins today, and there is a prayer challenge that you can engage in as well. Ruth, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. I'm smelling coffee. All right. Uh, hey, thanks for your testimonies about um, water where you are and ministries in Kenya with whom you're connected. I love all of that. You can always, you know, testimony me at the on the text line, um, which is, you know, pitch in your thoughts, contributions, um, you know, connections that the Lord makes in your mind when we're talking about something here on air. You can always text me. I call it the testimonial. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, 877-933-2484. We get another hour together up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.